Welcome to the Bands in the Bus podcast. This is Rachel Gerbach, and I'm here with my co-host and husband, Sean Gerbach. Hello. We got some great stuff for you. Um, we Later in the show, we're going to have an interview we recorded with Pat and Linda Dahl of Betty Machete and the Angry Cougars. Uh, they put on two awesome benefit shows for Artie, otherwise <gasps> known as Arturo de Leon. And um, great guy, worked at the string shop by the Newport and uh, worked at Magnolia's record shop. And a ton of bands. And a ton of bands. has been a huge part of the community. He's a legend. Absolute local legend. And both shows managed to raise over $6,000. So amazing. Yes. The effort was Herculean, to say the least. And, like, you could feel the love and the room at both shows. Like, you don't need to know Artie. Even if you never met Artie, you definitely got a profound understanding of the man that he is based on the turnout of these shows. And the impact he had on the scene. It was great to see everybody come out and support a great cause. With with all the division in the world, it's great to see this Columbus punk scene uh, just come out for one of their own. and. Somebody we've never met. I hope we have the chance of meeting him at some point. It was great. Yeah. This is episode zero. Uh, you heard our intro. Uh, that was provided by Night Beast out of Dayton, Ohio. Good friends of ours. And we're going to cut to the chase. And we're going to talk about uh, Party for Artie, the benefit show that happened on February 3rd. 3rd at Ace of Cups. At Ace of Cups. And this one, if you didn't come out to this show, I feel sorry for you. It was one of those once-in-a-lifetime shows. Starting off with the Howling Commandos. They, they just blew the place down. Absolutely thrilling from start to finish. The energy Matt puts into those sets is amazing. And seeing salvatore on the drums yeah his his drums were amazing that night just pure fire i mean the drum set was tuned perfectly uh the sound out of the toms just oh my god it was just for me as a drummer i was just really dialed in on sal's drumming and it was just it was amazing so big props to sal there as the wife of a drummer before COVID, before we got married, Ace of Cups wasn't one of my favorite venues. But now doing this and as the wife of a drummer, I'm falling in love with Ace of Cups more and more because they have lights on the drummer. You can actually see the drummer. Now I've seen Howling Commandos at several very dark venues in Columbus and 
I've never got to hone in on how great the drums are. It was just Benjamin, the guitarist, just looked like he walked out of like 1972. Like his guitar work. Yeah, amazing. Like just so rock and roll to the very soul of it. And yeah, it was just overall just absolutely thrilling yeah, to they watch. Were, they were a great opening act. I mean, just coming out with pure fire, just breathing fire. That's pretty much what it was. I would never want to be in the band that has to play after the Howling Commandos because, like, I don't know. After Howling Commandos, like, I've never smoked, but I kind of need a cigarette. Like, it's just like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> That's for sure. they, they definitely give it to you in a, a very loving and satisfying way. But the Hell's Fire Sinners put on a great set, too. Yeah. It was great to get to talk to those guys before the show. Uh, They were just very courteous and very eager to know more about us and bands on the bus. And I just got to thank Alan and the rest of the crew there. Um, They were really good guys. Yeah, Alan and Andy were, like, just talking so much about the late 90s, early 2000 punk scene and what it was like, what it was like hanging out with Artie. And like their stories were so vivid and so fun. Yeah, we're going to have them back uh, on a later episode. Yeah, so we, we will. Be on the lookout for them. Cause... Yeah, we will definitely be having yeah. Alan Downey. Like he is a, a friend of Bands in the Bus for Life. We're not letting him go. Yeah. Like, um, but th- what I like about them is they're very eclectic. Yeah, their sound. Yeah. yeah very uh, heavy Misfits vibe. Uh, I know Alan said they were uh, inspired by the Misfits. So I thought I picked up on that vibe you said before the yeah. show when we were listening to them, right? Yeah. And like, I feel like their lyrics have like an early alkaline trio, like tonality and subject matter. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a little bit of cow punk there, yeah. like, and you can tell they've been doing it for a while. Yeah, they put on a very tight set, and like, you can tell that they've grown as musicians, and yeah. that they've, they've crossed genres, they've mixed genres. Yeah, they've refused to be painted in a corner, yeah. and I think that really shows in their music. And like, after the Howling Commando set, like, that is just so much like high octane rock and roll that after a set change it's hard for anybody to get that momentum back mm-hmm. but like the end of hell's fire center set andy neff pulled the most awesome rock star move about two-thirds of the way of oh, just yeah. like heaven his strap snaps so he catches his bass and he's holding it and he's striking the strings mm-hmm. through the less intricate baseball keeping the beat with the drummer and then when it came time for that um awesome bass line that comes in the bridge of that song he just hoists it up like kind of is in a hunch position and he plays that dun 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 dun, dun. Like baseline, just so beautifully. We got that. Yeah, we got that on video. So check that out on the YouTube page. Uh, Just like heaven. Yeah, it's just like heaven. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was a great recovery. I mean, like we saw that during the Bad Religion show at uh at the not the Newport at uh uh, Express Live. Express Live, Kimba Live. Like 
That was rock stars. Though. Yeah, Greg, Greg Graffin's just relaxed. And then Brian Baker, like his guitar's not getting what he wants out of it. And he just so calmly, nonchalantly walks back and their guitar tech, like that guitar tech knew. Mm-hmm. Like, and like the guitar tech just handed him the other guitar, he put it back on, and then he's back on stage for his solo. Yeah, didn't skip a beat. Didn't skip a beat, just that's like... That's how legends do it. That's how legends do it. And speaking of legends... The new bomb Turks. The new bomb Turks. Uh, this whole Gotta Get the Podcast going was actually inspired by the new bomb Turks. It looked for a second like I was going to get an interview with them and I probably could have if I was pushier but that's just not who I am they had a lot going on they had a lot going on like Eric's injury Eric's injury and I'm I'm sure Matt uh the bass player he hasn't seen his friend who lives in New York probably since COVID because like lockdown happened and then Eric had his accident and had multiple surgeries and like, oh, just as a person, I'm like, man, I would want to hang out with my best friend. I wouldn't want to talk to a wannabe reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're a wannabe. But, but um, that's an argument for another day. That's an argument for another but, day. Yeah. get From getting called out. That was, yeah. that was pretty legendary for bands on the bus. Yeah. Right? We're light. documentarians yeah. now. Yes, we are documentarians. And- and the way he moved on stage with that accident, I mean, he he was moving pretty good. I mean, he didn't have to sit down too much. I know he what did sit down a, a charismatic times, but... frontman! Mm-hmm. Like the fact he knows how that to work the crowd. No, the fact that more people in this country, let alone Ohio, let alone Columbus, aren't talking about what this band contributed to the scene and to punk rock as a whole. It's kind of a crime, like yeah. They're I don't know if I'd call them underrated, but maybe nasty. Yeah, I, I mean, they they had their success, but you know, yeah, maybe you could say that. I don't know that could be an argument for another day. Also, yeah. Um, but, I I mean, they put on a. It was breathtaking. It was. I always joke with you that I don't know what my next favorite band is going to be because I haven't seen them live yet. All my favorite bands are bands I saw live that I might have knew one or two songs before going in. Maybe I didn't know any of them. And then I see them live. And then all of a sudden, I'm just like playing them constantly. I have to learn the entire library. And that was the new Bomb Turks. Like, I knew them well enough, but I never saw them live. And like, that's where they thrive. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, mm-hmm. they're just absolutely thrilling to watch. And like, hopefully, we can see them on more shows. We hope. Wish Eric a speedy recovery. But when one door closes, another one opens. And because we didn't get to interview the new Bomb Turks, we interviewed uh, Pat and Linda Dahl. Uh, Betty Machete and the Angry Cougars. And we have a new album out, by the way. Yeah. Um, be released soon. If you haven't pre-ordered it, I'd get on it because I think they're... Hun- fast. Yeah, I think there's only a hundred records and that like they're selling quickly. 
And we've gotten a chance to get a sneak peek at it, and it's terrific. Just it, blistering and just blistering rock and roll all the way through. Yeah. We're going to review listening. it in depth, but I will say that my only critique is it ends so fast. Like, it's just. That's how they are. Though. Yeah, it's like, it is such a fast breakneck, like beat you down album it's so electric it's completely energizing and like but it goes fast like the pacing of their music like it keeps you on the edge of your seat it's exciting and fun but hearing them talk about punk rock history and columbus Mm -hmm. like fascinating never so open willing to come here to our home and and take time out of their day to talk to us and we just really appreciate that um especially for two people that have been around the scene for so long um it's great to get to get a feel of what you know how the scene has changed and we talk about that a little bit yeah how, how much has it evolved, evolved and... and pat's story about how he met artie yeah is just the sweetest like the way pat tells it is so cinematic and like it had me verklempt like i had tears in my eyes it's so beautiful so without further ado we're going to cut to that interview and so you can learn a lot about the columbus punk scene uh past present and we even talk a little bit about the future so thank you for tuning in and here we go thank you English. So we are here with Pat and Linda Dahl, um, both of Betty Machete, but also uh, the, the organizers behind the benefit for Artie. And uh, how about we start out and uh, with how you guys met Artie? I remember very vividly how I met Artie. Um, I can't tell you the year because I'm very bad with that, but. Um, I was a struggling um, guitar player, just trying to learn how to play and also to get out in front of people on my own and uh, very nervous. And I, for some reason, decided to, one of the times going out by myself to play, going to uh, a bar called Stashes, which is a really big club here in town, you know, 20 years ago, something like that. Uh, And uh, uh, there was what they called a... uh, ACDC benefit show where their they, bands played ACDC songs for, for some charity and Artie was hosting and I um, trudged my acoustic guitar to this ACDC-a-thon to play and um, signed up uh, to be one of the, the acts and I played right after this really hardcore metal band that were really knew their chops and I think they were a little bit peeved at me because I was an acoustic you know, solo person, you know, nerd coming up after their hard rock. And, um, and so they, I remember they, they said some nasty things to me as out, as they were unloading on, off the stage and I was going on the stage and Artie was there and Artie heard it. He's the only other person that heard it besides me. And, um, uh, Artie's like, man, fuck those guys. You know, that, you know, you're going to kick their ass, you know? And I, here I was like my first, one of my first times playing live and I had my acoustic guitar and, and I was, um, uh, I was going to play TNT, if you know the song, TNT. Mm-hmm. And I brought sparklers for the crowd to, to have, to, to light and, you know, chant, you know. And, um, and Artie got down in front, didn't know me from Adam, Artie got down in front and, 
and took the sparklers, handed them out to everybody, lit the sparklers, and when they're going like, TNT, oi, oi, everybody's waving their sparklers. He got the crowd to enjoy me as, as rudimentary as I was at being able to play guitar. Um, he made the crowd and made me feel great uh, because those guys insulted me beforehand. And after that, friends for life. I was like, that's, that's my dude. And, uh, and we ended up being a band together uh, back in the 90s. And uh, um, so I've just known him for, sheesh, 30 years now? Maybe yeah. More? And I knew Pat referenced a band. I knew Artie from the band that he was in, the Media Horse. And that's how I met Artie. So yeah. I kind of met him through Pat. Mm-hmm. So the Media Horse is the band you were in with Artie in the 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We put out a couple singles and a couple CDs. Uh, that was like early 90s. It had a burn. It was more mid, I think. Because I met you in 96. I re- Remember that we cheated on one of our CDs or one of our singles and made a, co- a copyright 2000, and it was like the middle of 1999. <laughs> so I know that we um, uh, were around that time, and that was. Uh, Any was, singles still floating around for sale? I'm sure there are. Yeah. Um, you ever find one? I can get you. I can hook you up. I have a, a closet full. Of I know. <laughs> <laughs> I like collecting rare stuff too. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I love rare compilations. Mm-hmm. I have a couple Cleveland compilations and just uh, Bloodstains across the Midwest. Okay. Like that. Like, I put out a couple of compilations for Columbus uh, called right. Columbus Blood. Oh, um, and there, there's four of them. Uh, and I did those more recently, like, like maybe, what, five years ago? Mm-hmm. Six, seven, eight years ago. Yep. Did one each year for about four years of local bands. Um, and uh, so that's not that rare, though. <laughs> you can still get those in the stores. Um so yeah, but uh, I I also collect local. I, I like collecting Columbus bands that I ha- yeah. that were around before my time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just recently got into the Burners, who are really mm-hmm. good, um, and another band called Strongbow. Just some bands from the '70s and '80s yeah. that were here before I was. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool finding those things. Mm-hmm. So me and Sean are transplants, and like one of the things that people really embraced about bands in the bus when we started was that we were documenting what was happening mm-hmm. and we heard so much if we had this in the 90s if we had this in the 90s things would have been different we could have competed with seattle uh-huh. um i hear that from the whiteouts all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um there was a great scene in the 90s it like we were here for years before we even found the columbus scene like we were going to shows with national artists yeah like A&R Bob, oh, yeah. sometimes Roomba yeah. you know, sometimes Ace of Cups but we never really knew about the how many the smaller the smaller yeah. clubs yeah. yeah and like when I started this like one of my friends was like you need to come to the stoop and then the rest is history mm-hmm. but um can you set the scene of what it was like here in the 90s at the peak of the punk scene, when the new Bomb Turks were on the rise, when uh-huh. the Whiteouts were playing, when Artie's various bands were playing. Yeah. I, I think we need to almost take it back to the 80s. Awesome. Uh, because that's really when the bars around the campus scene, because now it's all... Corporate. Yeah. Yes, it's all <laughs> Car- it's clean. Yeah. Right, it's all clean now, but it was like just a big old dump. Um, you know, trashy bars and... Bands used to play all along bars on High Street. Specifically, there was Stashes, which was a little bit more north of campus, and that's Ohio State campus. And then Bernie's was right in the heart of 
um, campus, which is, I think, a Target now. And so there used to be a lot of bands playing at those two places, but I mm-hmm. also think further south, like Apollos and stuff, there were bands playing too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was like, I, I especially Bernie's, I'm, I don't know about stashes or anything else, but you could go any night and you could see a band there. And they were all fantastic bands that came through here or not, but they were all like local bands. It was, uh, to me, um, the stoop reminds me of what kind of what Bernie's was and, and stashes. Um, I'm not so sure that the stoop has shows every night. Um, I, I don't think they do, but uh, I could be wrong about that. But uh, what I see online is they have shows periodically. And, but Bernie's was a business. It was a, it was a restaurant. It was a bar. And they had shows every single night. And so did Stashes. Um, and you could go there and, um, and just hang out. That's a, I mean, it was a bar. People hung out and talked. And it was a, you know, there was no internet. So people exchanged information and flyers and whatnot about shows. Whereas, you pasted them on poles down yeah. High Street. Yeah, yeah. That's what I liked reading about, like back in the 80s, with the, the zine magazines. Uh-huh. Yeah. How Fans communicated to get out, you know, if they were from the West Coast to get out east. Right, you know, yeah. You would have to do that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, so you would just, I would go and see just incredible bands, um, just accidentally, you know, go to Bernie's. And, and I remember vividly seeing this band called The Heart Drops come in. And, and I know I got Linda into The Heart oh, Drops. Oh, yeah. Um, because I accidentally saw them. And, and they're from New York City touring. And they looked like The Clash. I mean, they look they 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 look great. They look like they'd steal your lunch money. Yeah, they totally they would totally steal your lunch money. And uh, but they were sweetheart guys, and uh, I ended up putting a seven shingle up uh, by them because them so much. And I was like, these guys are amazing. Why isn't the world on fire about the heart drops? And uh, they were that good. And Stashes was the same way. You would go down there, and Stashes had more like like bigger bands, a bigger club. Um, It probably was a little bit bigger than the Stoop, maybe is now but um it, they would have cleveland we played in a punk band in the late 90s and uh-huh. it was sometimes hard getting replayed at like you tavern uh-huh. bodies down under yeah um there was a place called speaking tongues but sometimes it would be tough because right be bringing in kids our age and they don't drink they were concerned about <laughs> yeah yeah, well, yeah. these people aren't going to be drinking they would usually charge more for under right 21 but yeah yeah i don't remember i mean we both came here in 1984 for college, and I don't remember. Um, I think I was grandfathered in. There was a period of time when the age changed from 18 to 19 to 20, or so. I can't remember which, but we just made it in, or maybe grandfathered. 19. Was it 19? 19. It was 19 for like 3.2 beer. Yeah. <laughs> but you okay. couldn't get, of course, I had to have liquor at that point, so I had to get a fake ID. <laughs> Got kicked out of Papa Joe's. Um, but yeah, it was just—it was on the cusp of that. Tell yeah. the story about Papa Joe's and how you get a bucket of beer. Oh, I, I don't. Have you heard about this bucket of beer? Like no. nowadays, you get a bucket of beer, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, you know, glass uh, buckets with ice in it, mm-hmm. yeah. beer yeah. bottles, beer bottles. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, yeah. Yeah. beer bottles. Um, but it was literally a bucket of beer, and beer was in the bucket, and you'd scoop out. The, you like, scoop out with one cup to put it in your cup. Like yeah. the whole thing was. It's like punch. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. like, but like a these, huge bucket of huge bucket of beer. Like you had to drink it really quick. It was really cheap, and you had to drink it quick before it got warm. But you didn't think about the fact that, you know, people probably puked in those buckets or peed in the buckets. Or, <laughs> yeah, they're just disgusting. It, they were horribly buckets. disgusting, but they were really cheap. 
And so your friends would each chip in a dollar, you know, and you'd buy a bucket of beer, and everybody have a plastic cup to pour, to empty out and put it in. So it was ridiculous um, the way that uh, we lived back then. Um, and then there was like happy hour. So you, I remember going from class, and I think happy hour ended at maybe five or something. So we'd run to the bars after class um, to get the cheap beer of buckets. <laughs> it was ridiculous, yeah. Um, so you organized these benefits because uh, Artie unfortunately had a stroke. What did that process look like? Um, did you guys have connections with the venues or was it just calling around town? Kind of. Um, I was, uh, uh, Artie um, is a very private person when it comes to his health and wasn't really interested in broadcasting it around. About a week after he had his stroke, uh, Leon, uh, his brother, told me uh, and said, hey, Artie's kind of, he's in the hospital. He, he, give me a call. I call him up. He's like, give me a call and we'll talk about it. And he told me that Artie wants some visitors. And so Linda and I went to the hospital and visited him. And, um, and I don't know if the idea started then at that moment, but um, I don't know anything about health or therapy or rehabilitation. But I do know how to put shows on, and, and I know bands and stuff. And at some point, I think maybe I was talking to Leon, and the idea just came up to try to do this. Um, his, their friend Erica Young did a GoFundMe page, which was wildly, has been wildly successful. And, um, and so I think the idea sort of germinated there and from those discussions. And we just, uh, I'd just been in contact with the person from Rumba Cafe who books the shows there. So I just said, hey, we're, we have a friend who is in need and we, we can guarantee that we're going to have a million people there, you know, and, uh, and he's like, absolutely, let's do it. Um, and so I just contacted two other bands. I mean, I chose the Angry Cougars because I've been in bands with Artie, you know, forever and I've known them forever. So I, uh, um, so I said, I wanted to get bands that knew Artie and had a connection with Artie. Mm-hmm. And so the Whiteouts and, and the, um, uh, um, Mathematics. Mathematics and Milan. Milan was also in the media horse with mm-hmm. Artie and I. Yeah, we really enjoyed so, Milan. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, thank you for your kind words for Milan. I, in fact, he didn't see your article till yesterday. I, oh. I saw him the other day. I said, hey, you should read that. I know he saw the video. He yeah, he did see the video, but he didn't see the article. Yeah. And so I told him about it. I sent him the link yesterday or the day before. Um, and uh, so anyways, um, I just wanted to pick bands and people that had connections with Artie, either been in bands with them or known them all for all those years. And so um, I just called them up and I tell you guys, um, I've never had band, usually bands take their sweet time committing to a show. Like, yeah, a week want, or two. Yeah. yeah, it takes them a little while. 30 minutes. In fact, it went from idea to fully book show in 24 hours, wow. uh, which never happens when you're trying to get four bands together. Uh, Maybe, uh, I'll have to get back. Yeah, and, a, and a venue, and a venue. And so it all happened so fast. And then people just, and unfortunately, after that, obviously people, other people wanted to play. And it's like, hey, I'm sorry, I have this. <laughs> we're kind of booked for a happy hour. We're kind of booked. And then all these people started contacting me about, can I donate something? Can I do something, you know? And so we came up with the idea of a raffle, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd never run a raffle before, um, didn't know how that worked, um, and so just tried to put it together, and I thought, how, what would I want to see in a raffle? And it was really funny, your article about, 
you know, the wine, the, you know, the wine yeah. raffle yeah. prizes that nobody really wants, but you do it because it's a raffle. I didn't want to kind of have that kind of raffle. I wanted to have a rock and roll raffle. I already wouldn't want a, a cheese and wine raffle. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and so I said, I want to hit up all my friends that have bands, that have merch, that have cool stuff that people will be interested in. Uh, and so all the bands obviously donated stuff. And so I thought, well, I'll make one basket, the mathematics basket and, and add mm-hmm. stuff to that. That's also their band. And, I did that, and then, I, and then people like uh, Bela Kochenpencher, who runs this label called Anyway Records, he put out the first New Bomb Turks 7-inch. He started donating stuff. Ron House, who was in the Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments and Great Plains, he started donating stuff, so it became more Columbus history stuff. Yeah. And so I made a couple baskets of Columbus history stuff, and I went to where already worked, uh, music around, or second time around. Yeah. Or, um, and uh, they donated a guitar, um, and someone else donated an amp, Mark Spurgeon from Green, a band called Greenhorn back in the day, but donated an amp. So he had these huge prizes. And the, and the God, Mark Chapman. Mark Chap, uh, uh, Chatfield. Chatfield. Mark yeah, Chatfield, Chatfield from the Gods. He donated stuff, which is a legendary 70s Columbus band yeah. uh, that were on Casablanca for a while. Uh, same label as Kiss. Yes. Yep. Uh, and um, so anyways, people just came out of the woodwork. Um, and I, I tapped some people too, you know, and said, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And it just kind of worked, came up together great um and so that was really really um eye-opening how many people just you know i know i love already but like i didn't realize how many people from the community were like yes let me help let me help let me help so i don't know how many people he's affected over the years but it's obviously been a lot so that was just an, that was a learning experience for me as far as putting on a raffle because i've never done it i didn't know how much to charge for tickets uh like raffle tickets i you know i thought a dollar was too small but five dollars seems a lot but I want people to donate money. So, yeah. I, so I, I just came up with this, what I thought was kind of crazy. Uh, one ticket for $5, 10 tickets for $20. And I thought, nobody's going to buy one ticket. Well, maybe people will, you know. But they'll buy 20, you know, they'll buy 10 tickets. And then people were giving me $50 and, mm-hmm. you know, just buying, like you said, arm loads. And, you know, yeah. it just is crazy. Well, that's what we were um, most impressed about, just the show of support and the love for, Yeah, it was. Know, I wish we got to meet him or maybe it was amazing yeah. to meet him um, he, he'll, you know he's yeah. on the road to recovery and it he, seems like he gave a lot of people their start you know yeah he used to work at a, he worked at a place called the string shop uh back in the 90s yeah, that's what i've heard and yeah and that was right next to the newport uh, mm-hmm. one of the few places that's still there is the newport um and, and the string shop was a um a music store and he sold guitars and all the rock stars would go from the Newport to the string shop if they needed new strings, you know, because mm-hmm. it was right there. And there's pictures of Artie with Lemmy from Motorhead, wow. and because he stopped by the string shop, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and so that's where I think a lot of people met him. And then he also worked at Magnolias, uh, which is still there, but it's a different location, it's a little bit further north now. The record store, south. Yeah, yeah, Magnolias. Yeah, the record store. Uh, and so uh, he's worked there, and they, that's how he saw met a lot of people as well, you know. So it's a lot of music related stuff and bands. Right. Bands too. Yeah, he was in um, uh, sort of an electronic band called Martyr Colony, like an industrial kind mm-hmm. of band. Then he was in a kind of a greasy punk band called uh, Lord Burger, um, and, and who actually played the first New Bomb Turks record release show, if I remember right. Lord Burger and New Bomb Turks. And, um, uh, trying to, and he's in the media horrors. He's Cotton, Cotton, Cotton Jackson. Cotton Jackson, yep. Um, so yeah, so he's been in a ton of bands. And he, uh, if you were there... At the, at the New Bomb Turk show, you heard a bunch, I think both Hell's Fire Sinners and uh, uh, 
Howling Commandos said they played with Cotton Jackson, you know, or at least Matt from Howling Commandos said he played with Cotton Jackson. So Cotton Jackson was around for a long time. Mm-hmm. He was in that band. So, so yeah, he's played with a lot of people. I think he's influenced and impacted a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. you could you could definitely tell. Um, like even before we walked into Roomba, um, we've never had that much trouble parking for yeah. Roomba. Uh-huh. Uh, especially on a weeknight like it i think the parking situation was worse than it was for the sold out George queer show uh-huh. and like we had to park a ways away and walk and like and we had to cross hudson which i hate doing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um like as soon as we walked in it was like one of those moments where like you can know somebody without ever meeting them mm-hmm. by the company they keep. Yeah, yeah. And like you walked in and there was like so many people there. Yeah. And yeah. like I was like, oh man. This, this person has impacted a lot of people. Yeah. And and it, it was like um a reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people I mean we don't go out to shows often, but um we go out to shows and you might see one or two people that you know from like way back in the 80s or 90s, whatever. Um, but at that show and this past one, uh, it was like a you know, people you haven't seen forever that just came out to support. Mm-hmm. Some people stayed for a couple minutes, some people stayed all night, but it was just good to see people you haven't seen for a long time. Yeah. 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 I was going to ask, do you guys need a water or anything? Oh, no. I'm fine. Don't yeah. forget. Thanks. Um, so since I been on the scene which is about 18 months like we've been in columbus for a while but um since we've been heavily involved in the scene one of the things that a lot of people have tried to do is get the new bomb turks and <laughs> like every small festival is like oh we're going to try to get the new bomb turks and then they're like oh it's not going to happen yeah. yeah but the new bomb turks got together for this so what was that process like for you guys were you guys close with the guys from new bomb turks or i was uh i um uh a roommate i was eric's roommate the singer for three years in fact i think that's around the time we met probably Yeah. yeah um and um and i knew eric from before that um we were friends and me and eric and jim uh, the guitar players in the Room Turks used to practice together. This is before the New Bomb Turks. And I remember I had used to carry my heavy crate amp like three blocks or four blocks or whatever to their house to practice. And um, and I was like, this sucks. I can't carry my amp this <laughs> this far all the time. It's like 300 pounds or something. <laughs> and uh, um, and so um, uh, so I stopped going over there. And then like a year later, the New Bomb Turks come out, you know. <laughs> and I think the secret ingredient was not me, you know, (laughs) me not being there. Um, but they, uh, but so I was, but I was good friends with those guys and still am. And, uh, um, I went to their very first show, um, at Stashes. Um, and that was with Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments and an early version of the local band Gaunt, if you know that band. Um, I think they're called Black Juju at the time. Um, but, uh, so I've just known those guys forever and Eric's, Eric and I were roommates. Um, and Eric had a, an injury, a bike injury about a year and a half ago and, um, had some complications with surgery after that, that caused him not to have, um, uh, feeling in his foot, uh, basically after some other things. And so they haven't played for that long, um, even practiced. 
and you, if you've ever seen the new Bump Trucks, you know how energetic of a show it is. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. And, yeah, and that was just a smidgen of it. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and so, um, so there's this huge concern that he might injure himself and not know it uh, because of his foot injury. It's numb. So, anyways, that that was the issue about, and if people have been trying to get the new on Turks and they're they're not able to do it, that's why. Mm-hmm. It's because they yeah. just they just weren't sure. And so, um, so I called up Eric. And uh, I just asked him, you know, I was like, hey, you know, we're having these benefit shows. I think Matt Reber might have contacted me too, the bass player, and and said something about, hey, let's see if we can try to do this. And uh, in fact, I think that's how actually how it did start. I think Matt Reber yeah. contacted me and said, uh, you know, we want to help Artie. Not a lot of people know, not enough people know this, um, but Artie drew the artwork for the New Mom Turk's first album, that Destroy Oh Boy album, that's his artwork. So that's a huge connection there. Wow. Um, and so they were like, we're so on. he's an artist too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. he's great. Yeah. He did all the early, there's a lot of early flyers that you'll see that, um, I think maybe the Bonathon thing I told you about had artwork from Artie on there. But anyways, so yeah, he would work at Magnolia's and you see him drawing flyers you know, on the clock. Um, and uh, But anyways, so Matt contacted me and I said, well, let me, let me try to call Eric and and see what, where he's at, like what's his status. Uh, and he was, he was like, yeah, I th- you know, I'd like to try to do it to put my toe in the water just to see, but um, I need to get to Columbus. Um, I also, you know, just have difficulty. He's got a cane. He's got difficulty a little traveling. So you know, we just, I just said, hey, don't, I don't want to pressure you. I don't want you to push yourself so that you injure yourself. Um, but if you can do it, great, and I'll do whatever I can to help. If you need money, if you need a plane ticket, if you need a place to stay, let me know. I'll, you know, I want to make it happen, but not if you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he thought about it for a couple of days, and he was like, yeah, I, th- I think I want to try four to five songs, you know. I think, I'm like, that's awesome, that's great, whatever you think you can do, and, um, and we'll, you know, we'll bill it as four to five songs because we don't want anybody to go into it thinking yeah. it's anything other than you know, limited engagement. And it wasn't because they don't want to play, it's just because yeah. they're not sure. Um, and as you saw, he's very energetic and he could have easily mm-hmm. hurt himself and not know it, um, <laughs> which is the, the danger. So anyways, long story short, they ended up playing 15 songs. I don't yeah, know how long yeah. they played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he felt really good about yeah, it. Yeah, I remember seeing the set list and like, I don't think it's just the four or five uh, yeah. Set, yeah, they played more than that was on the set list, I think. Um, but anyways, that's how it happened, and and I think that's why it happened is is you know they they wanted to do it, mm-hmm. which again shows you. Yeah, and uh, hopefully it's a it's a approves to him Eric that he can do it, and mm-hmm. they might mm-hmm. go out and do more shows after this. Who knows? But yeah, sure. I think it's just like dipping the toe in to see if you can do it. Yeah, I'm sure I, a lot I, of people are looking to book them too. Yeah, yeah. I love that you guys build it as a four to five song set. Um, because I think too often we try to promise our 100%, mm-hmm. even if we don't know if we can give it. Yeah. And like, that was the best example of I've ever seen of under promising and over delivering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that was something. And I, I have to admit, I did. Matt called me the night before, or contacted me the night before, and said we might do more than four to five songs. Because they, because Eric came into town that night, the night before Friday, the show, yeah. the night before the show, and he uh, they practiced, and then Matt kind of gave me the hat tip of like, 
hey, we might be playing a few more songs. I'm like, whatever's good for you, I'm sure the club will not be upset, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so I told the other bands, uh, because I I wanted Howlin' Commandos and uh, Hell's Fire Sinners to know exactly what was going on, you know? And so, um, so everybody played really good tight sets, um, and they did. Yeah, it was yeah. every band was on fire. Yeah, yeah. Every same band. with the last show at the Roomba. Like every band brought like their A plus thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I was really happy, and and I really, really like the Howling Commandos, and also Hell's yeah. Fire Sinners. But Howling Command, I've known the Hell's Fire Sinners for a long time, and I've only recently discovered maybe in the past year, Howling Commandos, maybe a year and a half or something, and. Um, and I just, the first time I saw them, I was, I was floored by them, and I just noticed they hadn't been playing that much lately. And so uh, they didn't really, that I was aware of, have a connection with Artie. But I knew that the New Bump Turks were going to play. Or I was relatively sure, certain. I wasn't 100% certain until Eric had his plane ticket in his hand. Until he was in Columbus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it was always touch and go. But I I asked the Hells, or the uh, Howling Commandos to play. Let me back up. Hell's Fire Sinners has a big connection with Artie. Yeah, long-time friends. Um, yeah. Holland Command was not that I was aware of any connection, but I wanted that crowd to see Howling Commandos because I know how good they are. Yes. And, and so I was like, I this is a crowd that will appreciate the Howling Commandos. And so that's why I asked them to play. And um, and I'm glad they did. And, and they brought it. Yeah. Their 100%. drummer, I don't know his name, but Sal. I got to give him his drums sounded so crisp. I'm a drummer, yeah. so... And just he was just pounding on those things. He's all a night. he's a heavy hitter, yes. Yeah. And the whole band are heavy hitters, but it was great. Uh, I was so happy that they they brought it. I mean, yeah. And I think they the crowd appreciated it too. Yeah. So like it was the first time he saw Helen Commandos. Uh, they were, I think they were opening for the Huntingtons, and I've been working in therapy about not freaking out about being late, but that day I was like. We have to be on time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, why? I'm like, you can't miss Howling Commandos. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, your mind's going to be blown. And, like, his jaw was on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Like, you go up there and you see Matt. And, like, mm-hmm. you don't expect Matt to move like Mick Jagger. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Or to have that huge voice. Like, his voice yeah. is so, I don't know what, distinctive, but it's just howling. huge. Yeah, howling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a funny story about, about being late to shows. Not funny, but it's, uh, it, I also, and Linda will you know, attest to this, hate Missing the opening acts. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. see all the bands. I like that. I, 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 I don't, who knows how great they're going to be, you know? Or, you know, if they're not that great, that's fine. I wasted it a half an hour. Not a big deal. Um, but I was with some friends at a bar across the street from a venue. It was at Mershon, which is OSU campus. Elvis Costello was playing. Wow. And Nick Lowe was opening up. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nick Lowe, but yeah. great singer-songwriter. He's the guy who wrote the big Elvis hit, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, if you know that song. Mm-hmm. Nick Lowe wrote it. Nick Lowe's been in a bunch of bands. Anyways, Nick Lowe is opening. And I'm like, I'm not going to miss Nick Lowe. And they all, my friends, they said, oh, we'll get over there early, you know, in time. We just want to hang out and have a couple more beers. I'm like, see you later. I'm going over and making sure I see. Yeah, so I go by myself. And, uh, and sure enough, Nick Lowe goes on early. And they all missed him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest event ever. And you guys just wanted to have another beer? Mm-hmm. How lame is that? So anyway, <laughs> I, that's... Um, 
scarred me for life and trained my motivations yeah. to, to Linda's detriment. Uh, <laughs> and so I always want to go see the bands. And I'll go early and I'll, I'll yeah. waste an extra hour just to make sure I'm there. That's, yeah, I always like supporting the band, especially if it's a band trying to get their name out there, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, we always make sure to see every band unless you know something comes up and we can't get there sure. later. But you we can't, always get, make can't a guarantee it every time. But if it's in my power, I'm gonna try to do it. So you're one of the groups. Well, you two individuals are someone that has been in the scene across at this point four or five decades. <laughs> Ouch. 84? Yeah, I guess maybe yeah. so Let's call it four and three. Yeah. <laughs> so how has the scene changed since you've been here? Like you came here in 87, you said? 84. 84. 84. What do you think? Um, Height of the Reagan years, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I saw him. He, he spoke at Ohio State. I'll give my perspective because I came into the scene a little bit later. I was at Ohio State but I most of, mostly was South Campus, and it was all drinking and dancing. It's like mustards and crazy mamas, which was down there. So I didn't go to the bars where bands were playing. Um, but when I started going to the bands uh, with Pat, you would see people there all the time that you knew. Like you can go there, and it was fun to hang out with people that you just knew that were all going to be there. It was like a its own little um, club. Like club, yeah. And you know, if there was a band playing and they were good, you, you would see people out, you know. Um, now, like I said before, you hardly ever see anyone that you know out. Maybe a handful of people at the most, but not very, not very many people that you see out that you know. And that's speaking from our perspective. Right, and yeah. Not necessarily you guys or right. other people, but that's, um, I think it just happens as a, you know, natural effect of age that people, oh, yeah. you know, move on and people and, move on. But you knew people in the bands, too. <laughs> yeah. You need people playing. And I think, uh, from my perspective, um, it's kind of, um, the scene is, I don't know if this is the right word, diffused out. It used to be, from my perspective, in a very concentrated area of campus. Mm -hmm. From just High Street, from Stashes, which was um, north, was it, or south, was Stashes? Uh, uh, Stashes was north. North. Kind of by Dick's Den. Mm -hmm. You know where Dick's Den is, yeah. yeah. Stashes is across the street from Dick's Den. And then to, all the way down has, High Street across from OSU campus down to a place called maybe Crazy Mamas, which was an upstairs bar that had like really interesting bands would play there. Like the Cramps played there. Ooh, and it was, it was a small place. It was a small place. Sam and Dave, the old, you know, soul singer, you know, group played there. Um, Ronnie Spector from the Ronettes played there. Mm -hmm. I saw Ronnie, uh, 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 Ronnie Dawkins. Dawson. Dawson. Ronnie Dawson there, a Rocky Billy guy. Um, Anyways, it was a, a great club, Crazy Mamas, but it was very concentrated, and, and Bernie's was in the middle of that, sort of, and then there's some other clubs and bars, lots of bars that were there, and those are all gone now. And so the scene, is, in my mind, is kind of like spread out because maybe they got priced out of the high street you know, yeah. area. Yeah, and, it's sad to see all these yeah. iconic venues closed. And not just venues. I mean, you could walk a block and past three record stores mm -hmm. on high school. Um, yeah. There was, there was a, a Mags North, like a separate uh, Magnolia's record store, then a used kids, and a school kids above it, and then a place called Capital Records or, or Discount Records, one, something like that. And then there was Moles and Johnny Goes, and then down further was Singing Dogs. Like in a space of like six blocks, 
there are probably six or seven record stores. It's amazing, and those aren't there anymore. Um, mm. Used kids moved, obviously, to 4th Street, I think. Yeah. And so things like um, Ace of Cups is, is good. That's a good representation of maybe what might have... Has that been there for a while? It's or? been there probably a decade or two, right? Uh, not as Ace. Definitely not two yeah. decades. Okay, yeah. It was, it was something else it was before. Like, it had a bunch of different iterations before it landed in Ace of Cups. At, yeah, the name. Um, but... Uh, but like things like Rumba and the Stoop and um, just some of the other clubs that are around. Um, uh, well, Space Bar is actually kind of a good, almost almost campusy kind of area. Yeah. Um, and so. Dirty dungarees. Yeah, dirty dungarees. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, closer to campus. That's maybe yeah, closer to to Bernie's yeah, or something it's like that. Kind of old North, right? Yeah, it's Getting rough. Into the old right across North Hudson, area. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But. Uh, but so, in my view, uh, things have kind of spread out a little bit more. Whereas back in the '90s and uh, the '80s, they're uh, much more highly concentrated because probably because of the low rents. I would guess mm-hmm. that I'm not yeah. a business person, but I would guess the low rents made it much more affordable for all of these record stores and venues to pop up. You know, and and people were hate to say it, but they were younger back then, and they could go out. <laughs> we were younger back then. Well, I'm, no, I'm just saying like. We don't know that many people now because we're older, but it might have the same scene to younger people now too. But like you could stay out till one, two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and then go to sleep and get yeah. up and go out again that following night. So it didn't yeah. matter. So. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to harp on drinking so much, but the drinking age was younger back then. And mm-hmm. so you didn't have to wait till you're 21 to go to bars. Um, uh, you could get there, I think it was 19 when we yeah. came to town. And that made a huge difference because that's the age that people were in college, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was a that was a, a big factor, I think, for for people going out and, and being there and, mm-hmm. and then seeing shows. I remember the first show I saw in Columbus was going to Bernie's. Were, were you guys ever? No, you guys you were here after. Bernie's. I remember. I, I was here during Bernie's, but unfortunately, I didn't hear okay. about it until after it closed. I uh, my, well, I knew about it before then because my brother. Played in a band in the '90s called the Aggravators from Cleveland. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and we've covered an Aggravator so. song. We, oh, all right. We, oh we got a seven-inch single. Uh, <laughs> right. We put it on a B-side of a seven-inch single. Uh, we did "Pissed Again." Um, oh, you did "Pissed Again." Yeah, yeah. yeah. the Aggravators. I'll, I'll hit you up with a copy of that nope. single. This is my brother right here. Yeah, yeah. See, we did a yeah, song. My yep. brother Scat was on. Okay, here. I saw the Aggravators many times. I love this single, um, yeah. and I have a couple Sonic <laughs> Swirl records. Um, they have a couple other singles that I have. Yeah. Um, at least one. Um, anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you guys up with a copy of Pistigan, our, our version of Pistigan. Oh, I would um, love that. And in fact, great. I think oh, I, it's a small world. I tracked down the uh, singer. I think he works at a barber shop in, in yeah. Cleveland or something. Aaron Laurie. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I found out where he worked and I gave him a copy of the single because I wanted to know that we covered it. And I gave, someone contacted me by email from the Aggravators and I gave him, because we wanted to give them royalties. Because right. it's called mechanical royalties. If you press up a certain number of copies, you're supposed to pay the yeah. songwriters a certain amount of money. So we gave them the thirty dollars or whatever it was to yeah. print up three hundred yeah. copies. Um, and uh, so, anyways, um, yeah, love the aggravators. Yeah, um, my brother was just in that one record, and then he oh, okay, the band that's the, that's the best yeah. one. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's that song, great that pissed against song, is so good. <laughs> Remember doing that? We oh yeah, to, we used to cover that a lot. Anyway, so we loved it so much. I'd love to hear it again sometime. Yeah, yeah. do it. I will find. I will dig one copy out. Um, I forget why we how we got into this topic, but um, you're talking about Bernie's. Yeah. Oh, the first show I saw uh, was at Bernie's, just and this guy is still playing today, Willie Phoenix. 
if you've ever heard his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays at El Dorado's, which is a farther north um, on High Street. Morrison High. It's about Morrison High. Uh, he plays there once a month, and he's just this guy that would used to stand up on the tables at Bernie's and play crazy guitar, and he would do Gloria and a lot of old classic songs and stuff. And the RC Mob, those are the two bands I remember seeing the first time going to Bernie's and just blowing my mind, like, oh my gosh, I can go to a small place about the size of this room and see an amazing rock and roll show. And, and that was Bernie's, and it just changed my life. Um, so, uh, and then, then I started trying to, trying to play my own guitar, and all I had was an acoustic guitar, so I wasn't rocking very hard, <laughs> but it was fun. And I think that, so we talked about the scene, how the scene's changed over the years. Um, uh, it, the stoop seems like it's kind of like a little Bernie's mm-hmm. in the fact that it has its own scene. And it seems like people go there just to go there. And just if they happen, like you were talking about, you just happen to see yeah. the heart drops. Um, that's what that feels like to me. Yeah. That, kid, I say yeah. kids, but people yeah. just show up there. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. enjoy, they seem to enjoy, they don't stand outside or stand in the back and go, you know, yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they seem to really want to listen to any type of music that's there. Yeah, it's, uh, and Matt and Vinny are the guys that run it, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know if there's anybody else yeah. specifically involved. But Jessica, Jessica does booking, booking now. Jessica. Oh, right, Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, I, I did hear yeah. that. Yeah, well, God bless those guys for doing that because it's such a good... Yeah, we love it. Yeah, and it's not too far from here, right? Yeah, yeah a mile away, exactly. If we forget something, no, I'll just right. go, go back to the house, I'll be back. <laughs> I, had to go, I had to go back home three times the Rumba Cafe show that benefit, the first benefit for Artie because I forgot something every time so I had, I had to go back like, but yeah you, know, you talk about the crowd energy that's what we love people are always into it like, yeah yeah. I keep telling my buddy Dan from Cleveland to get down here with this band Firebarker to play the stoop because that's uh, people will be eating out of the palm of your hand you know, yeah as long as you have a good night right <laughs> yeah. that's the thing about again the stoop and Bernie's and Stashes it was like people were that there that energy that yeah. vibe people were there to see music you know they were there to hang out too but they were not there to hang out in lieu of the music you know yeah. they didn't go somewhere else they they were there and so it was, that was a great great environment mm-hmm. and I, I sense that in the stoop as well mm-hmm. yeah so as you're talking, it's kind of dawning on me that one of the things that I think makes the Columbus scene special is the bands are older. Even our younger bands are mid-20s to early 30s. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because everything is gone so far away from campus that... Um, it's not readily accessible and in a way it benefits the listener because you're not having an 18 year old who's just now cutting their teeth you're getting somebody who is at the tail end of their 10,000 hours of mastery yeah uh playing for you but also it's affecting the sustainability of the scene because it's not getting younger we're mm-hmm. not getting young group in how do you think that we can build a legacy on the scene where we can still bring younger people in but we can still keep this crowd that's been fueling it for a couple decades here too yeah um i uh i kind of disagree with you a little bit in that we when we go out um there's a lot of young younger we're a little bit older obviously but there's a lot of younger bands 
that looks like they could be our kids, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is good. Um, and I do think that uh, they um, there's a lot of talent there. Mm -hmm. um, I think also we were watching some bands um, within a short period ago, mm -hmm. and what we would qualify as one type of music, I think they might see it as a different type of music. Like yeah. what we think metal is and what we hear the younger people think metal is, is two vastly different things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, metal was a word that was used back in the 90s and 80s, um, and I think it's used differently today. Um, not to get off your topic of your no, question, but, but it seemed like that, um, we'll just say it, we were at the Punk versus Metal show last night, and we were watching the bands, and they were really good, but it's not what I would call metal. Yeah. What I used to call metal. Yeah. Um, I twisted sister. That's metal. You know. <laughs> uh, and kiss is metal. These are more. Um, I don't know. Uh, new. I, I would say like new rock kind of bands or something. Yeah. And I think even one of the bands themselves said, "I'm not so sure we're metal. Yeah, we're different kinds of genres." Yeah. You know? Lost past ever. Yeah. 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 So. So. Anyways. Um, I, I think you're right though that I think there's kids uh, might have, the younger people might have a different perspective of what, is that what you're saying? Right, and I, I think that it's a, I say it's younger bands that we're seeing because maybe our generation of bands isn't playing out anymore. Mm -hmm. They're now yeah. at home with mm -hmm. kids or right. jobs, whatever, like they're more serious than they were Except when we were younger else. and you could just walk to the bars and walk home right. um, and get messed up. Um, so we don't see that many people out. We see a lot of really, really good bands, and we're trying to get out more so we can see the younger bands and what type of music they're playing, because we've seen a lot of bands that we like mm -hmm. um, that are younger. Um, we wish that there were older people playing some of these bands, um, and anytime there are like the older uh, people playing out, we, we want to go see them. Like Lost Weekend has their anniversary show coming up, and there's some of the older bands playing that. And I'm sure it's going to be another reunion because there's a lot of mm -hmm. older older people playing. And so we're going like, yeah, we want to see these guys play yeah, again. And we wish they'd play out more. Yeah. But life just came came across them and they've got other things to do. But right. I kind of I like that, um, you know, not, not to sound like I know everything about music, but like the passing of the torch with the younger crowd. And sometimes we go to bars, we go to the stoop and we are the older, oldest people in the bar, which it doesn't matter to me. But it's like, yeah, there's, it's it's this rock and roll atmosphere is, is continuing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not like just like the emo DIY, music or whatever. Yeah. It's like there. Mm -hmm. This is punk, and this is like the like fast music that we used to like. That we're out there seeing it, and their kids are doing it. I, I think I agree with uh, a little bit with what Rachel was saying, though. Uh, in the in in that, um, and it goes back to what I was even talking about earlier, which is how if, again I hope I'm using this word correctly, the diffusion of the scene from the campus area to other places and even just like something as simple as the string shop which I mentioned earlier being next to the uh, Newport anybody from OSU campus or even just lived in the campus area could walk to a store and buy a guitar you can't do that anymore um, not for campus anyways you know not that I'm aware of and um, uh, and or go to a record store and hear a great new record and have the people that work at the record store tell you this is something you need in your life, you know, mm -hmm. get this record and the excitement about that. And that's the thing I think is kind of missing that I think dovetails into what you were saying, Rachel, about how, how do we get younger people into the scene and get excited about seeing live music and, and, and in the new music uh, and seeing live music and getting new music and, as records. 
and um, and I think that that you know it, it takes effort. Uh, it was much more easy to fall into it accidentally when it was right next door. Mm -hmm. And if it's not next door, it takes work to find the good stuff and get out there and, and find it. So um, I think that's the problem. I'm not sure I'm, yeah. I'm diagnosing a solution to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just dissecting the issue. Mm -hmm. um, Plus, we were just talking about this last week. Of I think how kids are, and younger adults, are absorbing music now. It's right there at their fingertips. They can whatever they different. want on Spotify yeah. and call mm -hmm. it up. And... I don't know how the younger generation is getting music. Like, we used to go to record stores and buy albums. Mm -hmm. And we're like, when this band comes out or local band comes out, we want to go see them. And, like, you knew the whole album and, and mm -hmm. you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't see them mm -hmm. as much on, like, YouTube like you do now. You had to go out and, yeah. and right. seek them out and find them. And the last, it's the album... The art of the album has been lost through streaming, in my opinion. Yeah, right. I love listening to full albums. Like, right, yeah. Because a lot of bands, one album sounds different than the other. And, right, know. yeah. And, and, and it also, there was a, a, not only a financial investment in buying a record, there was a, an emotional investment because you're, you're no, you don't know the record. You can yeah. listen to the whole record online today before you buy it and then decide not to buy it. But you were much more invested in that record because you were, you were making a, a yeah, statement. Especially you know. if you're using your lunch money. To right, right, right. It was much more like, I've got to listen to this record a hundred times because I, I bought it. You know, I paid three for bucks for this thing. Yeah, right, or whatever. Um, and, and also, like, um, the things that are on, I, again, I'm not that familiar with Spotify, but the, the things that are Spotify are probably more well-known, more national bands. Whereas you before you walk down High Street, you go into a record store, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Hey, you got to check out this band," or "So and So now has a new band, you got to go check them out," which yeah. is what people did as well too. Yeah. And now, like, I don't know if that reference is still around. We we hear from the Greg Hall who owns Use Kids that people do go into his store and say, "Hey, what's what's going on?" Mm -hmm. But I don't think that happens as much as it used to. Yeah. Where you're like. Oh, this great band is playing at Bernie's tonight. You should go check them out. And you just went down there and checked them out. Yeah. So I, I, I would like to get a younger person's perspective, like your perspective, how you find bands, or do you just well, go out and? Can I take this one? Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge. We listen to Spotify all the time, but we're not huge into what Spotify does for artists. Obviously, they they yeah. don't pay them a lot. They yeah. have royalties. But the one thing I do love about Spotify is we can go see a band at the Stoop or we see on a flyer, okay, this band's coming in. We've never heard them. You can go on Spotify and pull them up like that and you can listen to their catalog before you see them live. Yeah, I think that's the one real benefit of Spotify, especially when national acts that are coming through like Bad Cop, Bad Cop or Lagwagon and they go, all right, we're going to, add heart and lung and you find out a week before mm -hmm. that yeah. this new local band has been added to the bill and you can go on spotify and you can know the songs and sing it back to them yeah uh, yeah that's true yeah well that's that's and you notice that's... sometimes it catch people's eyes like they know <laughs> yeah and like that's the one like pure thing about spotify um there's a seven-year age difference between us, and that seven years is so critical because mm -hmm. I came out, like, when 
I was reaching adulthood. Streaming was mm-hmm. just starting. Uh, Napster already kind of killed the music industry um, the way it looked before. And like these mega festivals were starting. And so there weren't a lot of small venues when I was a teenager that like there were a lot of things like the stoop but nothing that lasted more than six months because it was the perfect storm of people could get music for free yeah and like and everything got bought out by corporate stuff and so everything that was coming out like we were talking about the donna's earlier the donna's getting signed was like ended up being a nail in their coffin. Yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah. They, were grow- they were growing so fast, and then they got signed to a record label, and a record label went, we don't know what to do with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about the music scene right now is that like, we have like a new record label popping up every six months. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. like, There's a lot of them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of going in a secular fashion that I wouldn't have predicted like three years ago. Yeah. yeah, she wrote about it in one of her articles early on. Uh, we went and saw Lagwagon. and she wrote about the lost, yeah, the lost art of the album, uh, um, like, and how that age difference between me and her. Like, uh, we grew up with CDs, and obviously, my dad took me to record shows. I, that's how yeah. I was able to get all these records for cheap. Yeah, um, in the late nineties. Right. Yeah. And like, I never got Lagwagon. I'm like, they're okay. Uh-huh. But it was and, more of an era where we would listen to albums all the way through. And yeah, like, yeah. I heard all the songs individually, CDs. never yeah. as a composition. Mm-hmm. And then I heard them play Double yeah. Podium. Mm-hmm. And like, like cover to cover, yeah. it's a great album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only stuff that I heard cover to cover growing up was Kiss, Ozzy, and Megadeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all in Dio on my mom's side. Yeah. You heard a lot of Dio. Yeah. But um, Rage Against the Machine. Everything was go on LimeWire and get one single that you heard on the radio. And that was it. And it changed things. I guess one more question. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite bands that you've seen in Columbus? Like some of the bands that you didn't know before but are getting to know better. Uh Like uh, local bands. Not bands bands that have been around a while, but bands that are newer that you Mm -hmm. haven't seen a lot or saw for the first time. Well, um, I was really impressed last night with uh, ASMR. I think we played with them like a year ago at the Stoop, and I don't remember much about it. Um, And I don't mean that as an insult or anything, I just like, I don't remember it. And then I saw it last night, and I was like, wow, this is really good. And I think, I I can't necessarily say that uh, I recall them improving, but to me, I would say I didn't remember the last show, and this one was like, oh, wow, they're they're actually really good. Uh, That's the band that pops to mind. Um, I really, like, I've already mentioned the Howling Commandos. I really like them. I like Prime Directive. Um, and I'm trying to think who else. I know, I'm trying to think who we've seen like recently. Yeah, we're playing uh, with audio, a band called Audios Beaches. Yes. Yeah, coming we up. love them. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's our other band. Oh, you know who I, I like? Um, I like uh, Cadaver Dogs, yeah, although they don't play off, off too often, that often. Um, King Serpent, which is one of the people from Cadaver Dogs, is playing in that. I like that band. Those are the ones that come straight to mind. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else we've seen. Obviously love the uh, Whiteouts and Mathematics. We love the Whiteouts, um, I know. How about I'm, you guys? Who are some of your I'm, favorite bands? ASMR, definitely. Like, ASMR's growth is phenomenal. It's progressed, and it's just uh, getting 
higher and higher, and I think the sky's the limits for them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, they, they get better every show. They get more comfortable. Uh-huh. Uh, just And they've, they've gained a following now. Uh, people go to their shows, and as cool. you saw last night, yeah. the pit gets going when they play. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of the Scratches. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The yes. Like, Darby, right? Yeah, yeah Darby yeah. is ridiculously talented. And like, Columbus is best kept secret. On the base, yeah, sure. like so ridiculously talented, and it's just infuriating that he's so humble about it. <laughs> like I, I couldn't imagine being that gifted and not have a big head. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was great having you guys yeah, for most you. multiple yeah. reasons. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. You're, thanks you're for in one us. of like your band has a cult following, whether you realize it or not. Like Jessica Ambro was such a a scene queen yeah. and <laughs> Jessica Ambrose has a Betty Machete and Angry Cougars tattoo yeah, yeah. oh we, we know <laughs> <laughs> like like that is the biggest endorsement <laughs> that you can have in the Columbus music scene right now is Jessica yeah. Ambrose permanently putting you on her body mm-hmm. I always say I love your music just it sounds like I'm going through the jungle just with the machete <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love about it oh thanks I think that's a good compliment yeah. oh, thank you and with that, that's episode zero of the Bands in the Bus podcast. A uh, special thank you to Linda and Pat Dahl of Betty Machete and the Angry Cougars for being our first feature guest and for the awesome interview uh, where we talked so much about the Columbus punk scene and I learned so much. I hope you did too. Um, with that, it's time to go. Uh, the Bands in the Bus podcast is... Brought to you by Blind Pig Bake Easy. Uh, you can pre-order your macaroons starting March 3rd. They're tasty. Alexi makes the best freaking macaroons I have ever tasted. They're like, they're almost as good as sex. They're heavenly. They are heavenly. And with that, Kim Byers will be taking us out with our new outro, PTSD. Thank you, Kim, for allowing us to use this song, and we will talk to you soon. And remember to keep on supporting local music.